Good evening, everybody, and welcome to the very first recording of Wilbur Talks FPL, where we're going to talk a lot about FPL and probably a bit about just Premier League football in general. So, as I said, this is the very first episode. We're probably going to have it every week, giving you a bit of an update, maybe not on maybe an international break week, but hopefully give you all guys hopefully a bit of a dive into the game weeks and obviously this show today will be a bit of a preview so hopefully it helps you guys any comments any questions you have we can always raise them during the podcast so please free free feel free so close to leave your comments either on the youtube video on twitter twitch all the links will be linked to the podcast and to youtube i'm pretty sure i just heard the subscription come through which is not great but we'll keep going so the format of our podcast is really going to be hopefully three regulars with myself you can call me wilbur or will and we also have charlie and sam so i'm going to introduce our guests so we'll go to charlie first welcome charlie i hope you're very well welcome to the first episode you must be special if you turn up on the first episode can you tell us just introduce yourself a bit and basically like team team you support your background to FPL, how long you've been playing, and just go with the flow. And welcome. No problem. I've just realised an amateur error at the start of the podcast that I didn't even turn the audio on to the Twitch stream. So it's recording it for the podcast, but I don't think the Twitch chat could hear you guys talking. But we've fixed that straight away, so we're on top of that one. Uh, that's definitely right, because Pete's laughing at me. But same question to you then, Sam, if you'd like to introduce yourself. Just a bit of background like Charlie. Yeah, no worries. Uh, thanks for having me on, Will. Uh, my name's Sam. Uh to do some, uh, some streaming but uh, firmly in camp Wilbur these days um, but uh, yeah I've been playing FPL for about seven or eight years uh, with each year sort of increasing enthusiasm towards the game which has sort of peaked this year so great to be involved um, I'm a Liverpool fan as you can tell by my thick Scouse accent uh, you know it's been uh, it's been one hell of a ride over the last 10 years um, being a Liverpool fan but no it's uh, it's good times at the moment. I'm confident ahead of this year. We'll see what happens, but uh, it's going to be uh, it's going to be a great season. Looking forward to getting stuck into it. Looking forward to uh, getting stuck into FPL, and hopefully we can uh, bring some insight towards uh, everyone who wants to to get involved with the podcast. That sounds good to me. I agree with that statement. It should be an interesting league in general, and obviously reflects to FPL at the same time. So I feel I have to complete the set. So as I mentioned, I'm Will Sport. Man United, I'm sure people might hate me for that, but same for every team really, isn't it? Um, probably very similar to Charlie. I've probably quite a while been playing FPL. I'd probably say about 10 years because I remember making like a team in school and stuff, but then I didn't really pay that much attention and it's kind of a work league that kind of got me into the potentially winning some money, so made it a bit more interesting for me. 
so that gives you a bit on me as well. And I'm sure you'll get all get to know us as we're talking various or rambling, as Sam was saying at the start, throughout all the podcasts. So I think Sam linked me quite well into the first section of the podcast where we're going to talk about the new season. Probably talk about a few signings and stuff that have gone on and teams that kind of interest us going forward. So Sam's hinted to it first. So we'll go to Charlie. What Are you excited about the new season? Um, it's probably going to link into our next question about top four and bottom three as well. Um, but just give us your general feelings about the season, certain teams you're excited to watch for many signings have made. Yeah, I mean, from from a sort of personal Arsenal perspective, I'm, I'm not as much, I guess, <laughs> and, and I think a lot of Arsenal fans will uh, understand that feeling. Um, but that's kind of standard going into any, any season, really, just kind of not expecting too much and then you can't really be disappointed. Um but I think the the league as a whole, yeah, absolutely. I've I've um, especially the fact that there's going to be fans back and everything. It's going to feel like back to, back to normal, which is really good. And as much as I enjoyed the Euros, I, I still just don't find um, international football the same as, as club football. I just enjoy that feeling of every week um, being able to watch your team play, even if they don't do very well, which happens quite a lot for me. But I mean, in terms of of, of sort of teams, I'm looking forward to. Um, I think I've I the whole of last season really enjoyed watching Leeds in, in particular, um, just the way they play, really energetic, really um, it's, it just makes it a good game to watch no matter who they're playing, and it's it's always one to tune into. Um, so yeah, I, I, I mean I watch quite a lot of the, the, the games anyway, but Leeds in particular I always look out for for who they're playing, um, and I think also Villa as well. I, I'm and and particularly I, we might come on to a bit about sort of transfers and things that have gone on, but. Um, I think they've had a really good um, transfer window this window, and just in general, I think they've just made some really sort of canny sign-ins. I think they they are quite progressive for a team that um, that you would have expected to be quite low down the table. But I, I, yeah, I just I quite enjoy how they've got their team and, and what they're doing and and how they're building it. So um, yeah, I'm, I'm overall pretty um, yeah pretty pretty looking forward to the season, regardless of the fact that on a personal level it might not be as as good. I think that links in. I did a Premier League prediction um, earlier in the week and I actually put Villa above Arsenal on the table. I'm not sure what you think about that. But... No <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I think I agree with you there. I'm, Villa was one of the teams that I had down. I quite like what they've done with the signings. I feel like it, they were on the fence if Grealish was going to go or not, but they were prepared either way. Um, so it really would have enhanced the team with the signings they made. But then they had like a Danny Ings lined up or a few other signings there to replace Grealish as well. I think... Sorry, go ahead. When you go, Charlie, you're fine. I was just going to say, I don't know if you saw that, I think it was um, their owner or, or something mm. at, at board level, we put a, a video, um, which was really good, just talking about the fact that they were selling Jack Grealish, and he just kind of explains that, you know, the, the amount of money that I think they said that they put in a... Um, when he signed his contract last year, they put in a, a release clause for him saying that if you know a club comes in with a hundred mil, then that's fine, you can go. And they've they've just gone about it the complete right way. Um, I mean, yeah, it's, it's this won't be the first of of my digs at Tottenham, but everything that's happened with Kane is the complete opposite. And I think that they should be looking at Grealish as the perfect example, who seemingly has made the same move that Kane wants to make, moving to Man City. 
Um, but Villa seem to have yeah, just handled that perfectly in terms of getting the fans on board. I think that amount of money going for Grealish, it's, um, you've kind of got to, got to take that. And they've, they've planned ahead with the signings that they've made to replace him, not with just one player, which is what the, the owner was saying, not just one player, but with different players that pick up the different elements that Grealish provide them, which I think as, as a team makes them stronger. Yeah, I saw the comment that I think um, Grealish is probably worth 100 million to Villa. I'm not sure he's worth 100 million to a lot of other teams because he's kind of that talisman player. Um, but you actually stole my point there, Charlie. I was going to mention the owner because it was so refreshing to I think to see that. I, I can't imagine a Glazer ever doing that, which is just obviously how out of touch our owners are, which it was good to see because you don't often see it. Do you? It was just kind of getting within the club a bit and it just makes the fans more engaged and keeps them on side, really, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, I think just yeah, people under- understanding the, the decision-making process, it just always helps, even if you're losing a player that you love and, and that was raised through the club. Yeah, I saw quite a lot of backlash, like people giving Grealish grief, and I'm like, you've got to give him some kind of... You understand why he's making the move, because if Philly gets to that point like a few years down the line, he's probably past his prime, so it might be the right time for him to move. And he has given everything for Villa while he's been there, hasn't he? So they can't really complain about that. So if we pass it over to Sam, we kind of went off on one there. Are you looking forward to the new season, Sam? What are your expectations for Liverpool and any particular teams you're looking forward to outside of that? Yeah, I'm absolutely buzzing for the new season, mate, to be fair. COVID seems to be sort of crawling back into the hole slowly from where it came from in the UK in particular. But uh, no, football's properly back now, it looks like. And uh, it'd be good to see the stadiums packed full of fans. Uh, football's nothing without the fans, so it's going to be uh, it's going to be good to get them back in. I, I genuinely think this is probably one of the most anticipated Premier Leagues for a good five, six years. And there's lots of teams fighting for different things. You know, I think there's four teams that can win the league. There's probably another five or six teams that could really scrap it out for those top six places. And then there's probably five or six teams that really could go down for the first time in a long time. I think in previous years, we've had like brackets where you think maybe there's three nailed on certainties to go down, or it's really been between two for the title and then the other two for the top four are really set. But I think this year there's quite a lot of a grab. So which should also mean the domestic cups are quite good as well. Um, and Europe, I just can't wait for the whole thing. It's going to be great. Um, like just as Charlie touched on the Euros, obviously it was... I personally think England overachieved at the Euros, which is a great success. In hindsight, looking back when they get into the final was great and it was a good warm-up for the season. But for me, there's nothing quite like the Premier League and club football. And yeah, bring it on. Looking forward to it. Um, but no, in terms of club uh, clubs we're looking forward to to watching, I mean, Charlie might as well have literally hijacked my notepad because uh, literally everything he said is, uh, is pretty much what I've written down for Villa. Um and uh, yeah, just as you touched on there with, with Leeds, I think this season is really going to be the start of the acid test for Leeds. I think they're they're way too good to go down. I'm not even contemplating talking about them in that light. But it's just, are they really as good as we think they are or we thought they were last season? Or are we looking at sort of Wolves 2.0 where they have a cracking cracking year and then sort of settle in that sort of 10th down to 14th bracket? Um, so that's going to be really interesting to see. And uh, yeah, I expect Leicester to go pretty strongly again this season as well. I think they're always they always tend to miss out on that mention for the top four and not a talk are not really talked about in the same bracket as like Arsenal and Spurs are at the moment, where they're pushing on towards that or trying to get back into the top four. And Leicester always seem to start well. They always seem to be consistent. 
And uh, based on the last two seasons, they always seem to struggle on the last day of the season. But, you know, I'm really looking forward to seeing what uh, Brendan Rodgers can do there. Um, So, yeah, football's going to be wicked this year. I can't wait. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, that thing about Leicester, they just seem to do so well for like three quarters of the season. And the last two seasons have just bottled top four, haven't they? Which just need that little push. And so what do you think about your team's chances, Liverpool, then? What are we saying? Um, well, you know, I know pre-season is only pre-season and t- just tends to sort of be getting minutes in the legs. Um, but I think we've looked pretty good uh, over pre-season. Um, I'm a little bit disappointed by the lack of signings, but I- I'm quietly confident. I don't think it's quite as confident as uh, as I was going into last year. Last year, I was dead certain we were going to retain the title. Then obviously we had an unbelievable start, you know, seven from seven. And then uh, a couple of big key injuries cost us a lot. Um, the other teams around us this year have strengthened a lot. Uh, I, I can see us. I can't see anyone breaking into the top four that wasn't there last season. Um, but I actually think we're going to finish second this year. Um, I think we've just got a, a good squad, um, not anywhere near the uh, size and strength in depth that City have got. Um, but I, I fancy us in the one-off games against the other teams around us, and I think that's where this season really could come down quite clutch. Um, you know, like your games against United and, and Chelsea. Um, I, I just fancy us to be able to get over the line in those games. Really big fan of Canate as a signing. Um, and yeah, looking forward to it. It should be, it should be a good season. Yeah, I feel like those big games are quite crucial, but where United have fell down in the past is this kind of like beat at Sheffield United, which just destroys their hopes from the start. It's like you're not going to be Premier League champions if you can't beat those other teams as well. Um, the other team that I had to watch a bit, I don't know what you guys think of Brentford, but from everything I've seen them in the championship, it wouldn't surprise me. I'm not expecting them to do a full Leeds, but I'm quite excited to see than play in the Premier League. I feel it's long overdue them actually getting up. Um, the kind of football they play I quite like to watch as well. And I think we'll probably discuss maybe a certain striker from their team when we get later on. But do you guys think Brentford could do decent? I think they'll do best out of the Premier League um, promoted team, should I say. I, I agree with that last comment you made about them doing the best out of, of the three coming up. I'm... I'm hesitant to go further than that just because I feel like they're being so overhyped now and everyone yeah. is making that comment about them being, you know, really nice nice in the eye and, and everything, which is which is fine and, and there are teams that have come up and done that, but then there are teams that have come up and failed at trying to do that. Um and sometimes a more pragmatic approach can help them stay in the league. So yeah, I, I definitely think um we'll, I guess we'll we'll come to our, our league predictions later, but I, I, I de- definitely fancy them to stay up, but I'm, I'm yeah, a little hesitant as to exactly how well they'll do over the course of the whole season. I think it's going to be interesting as to whether or not they've really got a squad to go 38 games in the intensity of the Premier League. Um, you know, that Brentford would, would be smart, in my opinion, to sort of disregard the domestic cups and just you know solely focus on on getting going in the in the league, getting a good start. I think a good start this year is going to be so critical. Just don't ever let yourself get cut adrift. Otherwise, you're going to be in all kinds of pain. And uh, yeah, like you say, Wilmer, there's going to be uh, a certain striker mentioned, no doubt, later in the in the pod, who's uh, really, they're putting a lot of weight on on one player having, doing the business. But I think where, where the Leeds model from last year, where you highlighted sort of five or six 
potentially outstanding players in their team, which you felt gave you the confidence that they were going to kick on throughout the course of the season. We're only really looking at like one or two in Brentford, which, you know, is probably more than Norwich or Watford have got, which is, you know, ultimately why we probably think they're going to do better. But I personally can't see Brentford getting into the, like the top half of the table like Leeds or Wolves did when they first came up. But uh, I definitely think they'll do the best of the, the three promoted teams. Yeah, when I made that comment, I think I was aiming for like kind of an uppish um, part of the bottom half of the table, probably like a 13th, 14th. I'm saying it'll be a bit clear, but obviously not going to set the world alight as much as Leeds did last time. So I'm thinking about a certain United. So kind of like I'm slightly confident with some of the United signings. Well, obviously Sancho and Varane positions we kind of needed but we've still not filled the one position that was clearly the gaping hole in our team so unless we sign the CDM I wouldn't be confident even really challenging for the title we could easily finish second again like we did last season but that I wouldn't be surprised if all three of us put a certain team first in the predictions for the top four I like the two signings we've made but there's still that one missing what do you would so if we're talking about signings, would you both say Villa have had the best transfer window and what do you think about Man United signings to date? So I'll start with Charlie again. Um I think Villa have certainly made the most um I guess you'd you'd call it the most sort of key signings to their team, like relevant um related to their team I think they've strengthened where they need to they've made the right signings for the team that they are um I think in terms of big names obviously that's that's manual all over that uh, you know around still coming in and then like like you say I think the, the way you fall down is is the lack of CDM and that's why I think even your comment that they that you could finish second easily is is a bit far-fetched to be honest because I don't I think and you're a bit outnumbered here in both me and Sam agree that Solskjaer is just completely out of his depth and won't win a trophy at Man U. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I do like the Sancho and Varane signings. Obviously, they're obviously top-class players. Um, but, yeah, I think I think there's not really any argument that Villa has to be the the, the um, club that's done the best business so far, at least. Yeah, I don't think you can really disagree with that. I think the money they got for Grealish as well makes it... So good a window as well. What would you say about that as well, Sam? Uh, yeah, I mean, Sancho, there's absolutely no denying he's a quality quality player. Um, I was a little bit disappointed he didn't get more game time for England in the summer. And maybe, maybe almost including Bruno, but certainly until last season where Bruno really picked up and kicked on. You looked at Man United when you lined up against them and there really wasn't anyone that you thought we're in trouble here. Like he's going to give us a real, real, like handful. A couple of like good players, Rashford. You know, probably in that bracket, but no one that you thought, man, we're going to have a hard time. I think Sancho falls into that category. So I really do think he's a quality, quality addition. Um, you know, Varane uh, looks on paper to be a great signing. Um, be interested to see how he settles in into the Premier League. Um, but yeah, ultimately, I think you're you're way short in midfield, uh, unfortunately, of uh, of being in contention to challenge for the league. But having said that, I, I don't think anyone is uh, really bolstered enough in midfield with options other than City to be able to challenge for the league. 
Um, regretful that Liverpool lost one out of them in the summer. Um, you know, Chelsea have got Kante and, and Jorginho in a nice little, nice little partnership in midfield and Kovacic and a few other options, but I still don't really know if Chelsea are a funny one. I still don't know if they're quite there yet in terms of being able to challenge for the league over the course of 38 games. No doubt they've improved massively. Uh, and if Chelsea do pick up Lukaku and shift on Tammy Abraham for the fee that's being knocked around for him, you know, there's contention to say that Chelsea have had a great transfer window as well. Um, yeah, I think Villa Villa have definitely done smart business. There's some a, a shout to be said for for Leicester as well. I think they've had a good window. And they signed Daka, uh, Samare from Lille, but Ryan Bertrand coming in on a free. A smart business as well. Um, but yeah, Villa have had a good window. Man United signings, very good. But I still think you're short in midfield. Um, but yeah, for me, Leicester and the other side that have had a good window to date are actually Spurs, I think, signing Romero from Atlanta. Spurs have needed a centre-back for, for God knows how long, really. Um, and then uh, Brian Gilles coming in as well. Um, moving on, Lamella, who was sort of a bit part player. If, if, and it is a massive if, if Spurs can keep hold of Kane, it will be a good window for them if he does end up going, which I'm of the opinion that he will before the window goes, then it will have been a tough, tough window for them. So, Yeah, I don't disagree with our midfield point. That is the key bit that we need to improve on. I feel the well, we're going to move on to the table predictions with the top four and the bottom three, but I feel like the second, third, and fourth, we're probably going to have the same three teams, but probably in different orders, because I feel like if one of them has a bad run, then they'll just slip down and be trying to get to fourth and won't keep up in the title race. But um, we'll move on to that top four part. So I think, should we go round everyone, or should we just go from fourth? I feel we'll go from fourth. So in your top four prediction, Charlie, who would you have in fourth? I have your very own Man United in fourth place. I'd hate to say it. I was expecting that. Um, who do you have in fourth, Sam? Yeah, I also have. Uh, I also have United. It, the top four is so so tricky, in my opinion, from second to fourth. Yeah, it really could really could be that any of those three finish in any of those three places. Um, but yeah, I have gone for United just because I think they're short in midfield, really. Yeah, so, so when I did my prediction, it was obviously before... Well, I'm assuming Lukaku's going to sign for Chelsea, so I had Chelsea in fourth. But I'm inclined to boost them up a few, maybe even to second without Lukaku signing. But I'm, I'm going to stick to it because I don't think... Lukaku will get you a certain amount of points, but I'm still not convinced by his mobility, especially away from home. I can, I can see at home if they're pressurising the defence, throwing loads of crosses in there, how he's going to be a benefit, and he'll probably get 20 goals still, but he's not going to make them into competing with City, I don't think. I still think they're missing a bit something. I'm, I'm not sure if it's just... There's something missing in that Chelsea side. I feel like they need one more sign to make them up there with City. Well, I'll go with this question then. So where do you both have Chelsea? Do you have Chelsea both in third? Yeah, I do. Yeah, me too. Um, it's and this is the tough one, really. Just whether Liverpool or Chelsea are going to finish second or third. It, it was interesting you said about Lukaku, just being able to get them a couple more points. I mean, ultimately they they finished fourth last year, I believe, by what goal difference um, or by a point or something like that. So you know, if, if you can get them a couple more points, that's automatically one place gained based on last season. 
Um, and I think Liverpool and Chelsea were both hindered last year quite considerably by by injuries. Otherwise, they probably would have pushed United further and longer into the season. Um, but yeah, I got Chelsea third. And yeah. Tuchel, two, two obviously, we've got to talk about a bit as well. And the fact that he's obviously come in and done a really good job, particularly with defensively, they've they've massively improved. Um, so I think that's kind of what sets them clear of of, of United. Um, and I'm, I'm the same with Sam. Like it's. I kind of have a toss-up between Liverpool and Chelsea for second and third, but I think just the fact that, well, we'll come on to it. I'm sure we've all got the same one and two then, but um, I think the fact that I think Liverpool's quality just edges out Chelsea at the moment, It's, but I, I do think Chelsea are on the upward trend and it, they could quite easily eclipse them this season if if they keep following that that route. Chelsea are a funny one because... When you look at it on paper, Chelsea reigning champions of Europe, they did incredibly well to win the Champions League, taking nothing away from them. You know, winning Champions Leagues is is special. Um, it's just I don't know what it is about Chelsea. There's just something that I just don't have the conviction that they're going to turn up and just slaughter a team on a day when they're coming up against a team at the bottom of the league, um, or they're going to you know they've got a couple of players that are just going to absolutely put someone to the sword and run riot. Um, it, maybe this is the year that Havertz kicks on. Um, if he does, he could be the man to do that. Um, you know, Mason Mount was outstanding last year. Um, can, can he keep it up again for this season? And there's no doubt that if Chelsea can keep up the form they had towards the tail end of last season and in get that sort of big game mentality they had for the final against City into some of the big games of the league this season, then they've got a really, really good chance of, of pushing right on towards the end of the season. There's just something about Chelsea that I just can't quite believe that they've got it in them to go for 38 games for the title um and i think liverpool have but i don't think they will and i think that's why i just sort of ended up in the order we've got yeah and there's that something about chelsea that i kind of was alluding to as well like until we see that consistency i don't know well it's kind of a rash statement to say but i think it's easier to win the champions league than to win the premier league because that consistency over 38 games is a lot hard to actually get. Well, I'm sure City fans will say different, but that's different. Um, but yeah, it's going to be very interesting. So, assuming from the conversations, we've all got City first and Liverpool second then. Yeah, I mean, there's there's not much more you can say about City, really. I think just the, the sheer squad depth is, is ridiculous. Um, not just the squad depth, but the, the quality in squad depth. Um is it's just what sets them clear of anyone in, in the whole league, really. Um, I, I think on paper, sort of, if you're just looking at first 11s, I, I would push Liverpool closer to them. But when you're looking, and, and like we're saying, we're talking about a 38-game season. Um, so across that whole time, you're going to need your players, particularly when you get in towards the end of the season, later stages of Europe, which I'm sure both teams will be hoping to be in. Um, you're going to need that squad and... Liverpool, in my opinion, just don't have that. Obviously, they brought in Jota, and, and that's made a bit of a difference. Um, but City just have basically a, a full second eleven that could go out and win the majority of the games in the league. Maybe not against the, the bigger sides, but yeah, just the, the the quality in that team is just ridiculous that they can just chop and change as needed based on rotation or upcoming games. So yeah, yeah it's, there's no debate about it really for me. I pretty much agree. I think the the big problem for the for the rest of the Premier League is if City do pick up Kane, um, you know that is going to be a long, long 
process to overhaul that uh, that setup they'll have there if Kane joins. Um, City, you've just got to admire it. You've got you've got to pay respect to to when some teams are doing things that that others just aren't, and and City are just an animal. They're they're, they're in another league at the moment. Um, they just have this ability. You know, last year they, I think they got something along the lines of seven points from their first five games or something like that. Um, but at the same time, you know, they you you just know City are going to go on this run of like fifteen wins at some point during the season. It happens at some point, whether it's at the start, whether it's on the run in, whether it's over that Christmas period. Um, they're they're gonna they're gonna string together an outrageous number of points over over a relatively short period of time. Um, so if anyone's going to win the league this year, they've got to be City. Yeah, especially with the San Kane, it's like game over, isn't it? It's like, do you even bother turning up for some of the games when you're competing for the title? I can imagine in FPL as well, everyone would be straight on that because that's literally the missing link from City, isn't it, really? Because Aguero's gone and then Jesus is, I think he wants to leave because he's not really getting the game time. So that's just, if you say there's any flaw in a City team, you'd say that ruthless finisher because they create so many chances. If they had that finisher as well, it'd just be extra scary. And with everything Kane's added to his game as well about sort of the assists and dropping back a little bit, that that sounds perfect for a Man City team that's all about the intricate passing and ticky tacker and stuff. That he just it sounds like a great fit as well um, as the fact that he yeah basically can just finish from anywhere. So yeah, it's that's if if they do sign him, it's it's verging into a bit of a Bundesliga Bayern situation of just they're basically buying the best players from the other teams. They're buying Kane from Tottenham, Grealish from Villa. Um, yeah, it's it's uh, that's 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 it really. If they do buy Kane, that's that's the end of the uh, might as well call the season there. Yeah, game over into it. Yeah, I'd argue City second eleven would be up there, champ like in Champions League contention. I'm not saying they'd potentially get it, but they'd be there or thereabouts, probably in this mix between second and fourth. But scary to even think that really. Can't imagine United youngsters getting anywhere. They'd probably get relegated. That's the squad depth that they've got. Right, so we've done top four, so we'll go bottom three then. I'll let, well, we'll mix it up and Sam, you can start. So go on, hit us with your, just, your bottom three and we'll discuss that from there. Okay, cool. So uh, I think two of the three sides that came up are actually uh, going to go straight back down. I think Norwich are probably the most depleted in uh, quality out of the three that came up. Uh, and they just have a tendency to sort of yo-yo, sort of like that West Brom feel of, you know, they're, they're, they're almost too good for the championship and not close to being good enough for the Premier League. So I feel like Norwich are going to be one to go back down. Um, I've also got Watford in there to go back down. It'd be interesting to see how Watford do, um, particularly towards the middle to latter stages of the season. I know they had a decent defensive record in the championship, but the quality of attacks they're going to be coming up against in the Premier League... Um, you know, on a, on a different level, really, to what, what they would have faced in the championship. Um, but I, I think Watford are just going to fall a little bit short as well. And then I was really just flipping a coin between two teams that I think are in not in a good place going into this season. Um, and I just went for Southampton to finish in the bottom three as well. Um, I think losing Danny Ings is irreplaceable. Uh, I know they've just signed Armstrong from Blackburn, but... I have a, a you know like a feeling and a saying that when you replace Premier League proven quality with Championship proven quality, you'll retract to the quality that you signed. So if uh, you know 
I think if if they did pick up Armstrong, which look, I think I don't know if that's been officially confirmed yet, um, but if it has, then uh, you know, signing a championship striker to to play and and expect you to expect him to score the goals to keep you up, um, you know, might be uh, might be a bit too much. And uh, there, I think there's rumours about Ward Prowse maybe moving on as well. Certainly, if Ward Prowse goes, I think Southampton join the other two going back down to the championship. Um, but the other one who almost made the chopping block was Palace. I think Palace are, uh, have sort of been trending this way for a little while. They have the stability of Roy Hodgson. And, you know, I'm not saying Roy Hodgson's an outstanding manager, but he's one of those managers that's unlikely to to take you down. Um, and the pressure on Vieira to go in there and keep them up in a, with a depleted squad. Um, you know, if, if Zaha gets injured for any strength of time, you know, Eze's out for a long period of time. I think there's going to be uh, going to be a lot of pressure very quickly down at Palace if, if results start going against them. So I, I have gone for Norwich, Watford, and Southampton, but special mention to Palace. I think you you're pretty bang on the same as mine. To be fair, so I had just flipped the coin the other way. So I had Norwich, Watford, and Palace. Um, similar reason to what you have, especially on the Palace. I feel Hodgson is just literally kept them above the line the last few seasons just somehow they always looked I think there's been a few seasons where they've been like down and out and then they've just magically recovered with a bit of Zaha magic or they'll scrape a few results at home so I feel with that new manager it's just gonna be their time so I would be taking just Palace instead of Southampton compared to yours I had Norwich I think Norwich just gonna be dead bottom again obviously they've got Pookie which is a like he's going to get a few goals. I quite like Campbell as well, but outside of that, I don't see a lot of star quality in their team. Watford, I like Saar. I think they'll probably get a few more points than Norwich, but not a huge deal, enough to survive. How do ours compare to your bottom three then, Charlie? Well, I'll, I'll make this a full house. and I've, <laughs> I was thinking about the same four teams. Um but I did go down the Sam route, so I've got Southampton in, in the bottom three. Um, this, yeah, I did. I did make this prediction pretty quickly after the Danny Ings news came out. Um, and yeah, like like Sam said, although Armstrong provides something, it's it's not going to be anywhere near the level of of a proven striker like Danny Ings, um, who just seemed to be so consistent when he's not injured. Um, and and even with the players that they've got, they've last season have, have had struggled at various points. They've gone on bad runs, and they've obviously had the uh, certain results um, that people don't like to mention because commentators always do it, um, where they get absolutely smashed. And any team that has that in their locker, I think, is there's always going to be something to to watch out for for them to 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 fall down. Um, and he's the, the manager as well. I'm hesitant for a team that is in that position to play in that that way whilst it's re- really great for us as viewers to, to see them play like that and try to be there on the front foot and and aggressive i just don't think they've got the players to do it really um and i think i think it'll be their downfall so yeah so i did just edge southampton into the bottom three with watford and norwich who yeah exactly same points as you guys i don't, I don't see them having the quality to stay up and yeah again palace I was toying with going with them over Southampton. I think just because of the unknown and um, a new manager coming in, then maybe they can just 
edge that little bit and i've i've i just really rate zaha as well as an individual player so um yeah i th- i think unless southampton sign someone premier league quality drastically I, I i can't see them getting out of the bottom three yeah i think that the new manager kind of edged it towards me because i don't trust Vieira at all as a manager he's not really got that experience so that's what edged it for me but i'd agree with what sam said as well if southampton lose james ward prowse then i'd be swapping it straight away because i think he's just the heartbeat of their team and a lot of things go through him so if they lost him and ings then it's just kind of they're in big trouble there aren't they but yeah, I think it's going to be a good scrap down there. It's going to be, well, I was going to say it's going to be similar to the second to fourth race, but there's only really three teams, but I can see there probably being six or seven teams that could arguably end up going down. But hopefully, well, I think last season it was settled quite early, wasn't it? Well, at least two of the spots were. So hopefully it's a bit more, I like a bit of final day drama, especially down at the bottom. But we'll have to come back and see if we got predictions right or not so when United finish second I'll be coming back to you guys just to rub it in a bit <laughs> we'll get... first, that's fine <laughs> if Arsenal finish in the top half that'll be fine but that's waiting a, a while for the year when Arsenal finish first and United <laughs> finish second I'll tell you that get a time machine just go back to when that was the case yeah I can say in fairness at least I've got a realistic chance of finishing second I don't think Arsenal have got a realistic chance of being even in the top four but right so I think that's enough just general Premier League chat. We better actually talk about some FPL since there's no one meant to be an FPL podcast. So I think the point we'll start on is basically when I was building my draft and I did a video on this also, I had certain players that were just going to be there no matter what draft I did. So if I mention those three players and then you guys can expand to say, to say if you see any must-haves and if you agree with my three. So... When I'm first drafting, Trent, Salah and Bruno, they've not left my team once and that's kind of how I built around. Would you agree with that, Charlie? Is there someone else you would have in that pot as must-have? Or would you disagree with any of those three that I've just mentioned? Um, it's an interesting one because I, I think the phrase must-have can get a bit overblown sometimes because I think you can try and apply some... Um, sort of value to some of the picks in terms of you know i i think so so in terms of the ones that i've got i i've certainly Salah and trent i i think bruno there's potential to go without but in any draft that i've tried without him i just can't seem to find a good enough use for the the extra funds say if you downgrade into greenwood for example or someone like that i don't like my team enough to go without so i i I've got those three players in my team, but if I'm talking true must-haves, I'm, I'm only thinking of Trent and Salah. I think Bruno, uh, it, it might be influenced by the fact that back end of last season, obviously he didn't have a great second half. Um, I took him out of my team towards the end of last season as well, and I felt like I was able to use those funds well. I think by that point in the season, when players, especially the good ones, are going to be quite expensive because they will have risen in price by at the end of the season. Um, I, I felt like you'd use that those, that money quite well. Um, so I, I would be open to the idea of not having Bruno this season, but at the moment I can't find a way of actually using those funds in an effective manner. So I've just I've, I've kept them in. But I think Trent and Salah for me at least are the ones that if anyone goes without, I, I would be interested to see why because I can't see a reason. Yeah, I think 
I agree with your point about Bruno at the end of the, se- the last season, but um, I would say the amount of games he played last season, just you could see it. I think even yeah, even from like January Christmas time, you could see he was just struggling. He didn't particularly play many minutes in the Euros, so I'm hoping we're going to see a fresher Bruno at the start of the season, and especially probably the first five or six fixtures look pretty favourable, and the United front line isn't really going to have everyone there for example a Rashford probably Sancho won't play much so he's going to be the main source of the goals and assists I would hope and obviously we've seen it in FPL before well that's what I'm thinking you'd also maybe say as well as an extra point to that exhaustion the fact that that you have overly relied on him for for a long time basically since he came in Um, so even in the games where you know everyone's starting he because everything went through him it just means that he it's either him or nothing and yeah maybe the fact that you know Pogba starts to come back into the team and now signing Sancho as well it just allows a little bit of the um the the pressure to be taken off him which should free him up a bit so yeah no doubt he's a he's a, a great pick for the season yeah I, I, you mentioned Greenwood as well I think if you go in with someone outside of Bruno's United at the start of the season you have to go for Greenwood because I know Sam mentioned previously about Cavani possibly having him in there but he's not had any pre-season minutes to date Sancho only started training yesterday Martial's just come back from injuries only played 45 minutes and Rashford is out for quite a while for about two months so if he was looking for someone at the start of the season, it had to be Greenwood out of those attacking options, really. And obviously you're saving quite a bit of money, as you hinted to there, Charlie, as well. So, Sam, would you say, what would your comment be around those three? Would you say they're essential to have for the start of the season? I think that Salah is is absolutely essential. Penalties, goals, points, guaranteed, 100%. Be interested to see the impact that Sancho has, uh, Sancho's arrival has on the on Bruno, whether it does sort of alleviate the pressure um, and maybe take some of those points off him. Um, but obviously, Bruno, well known for his penalties, um, you know, it takes takes a lot of the dead ball situations for United in general. Um, I think Bruno, for now, is is a must have because of his immediate impact. And if things don't kick on as well as they could do. Having a 12 million asset allows for a lot more flexibility within within the squad and within your team to be able to make make adjustments further down the line. Um, Trent is again an interesting one. Um, I, I don't know if Liverpool are going to keep too many clean sheets, uh, but obviously the attacking threat that he's got is outstanding and, and the highest in the league. Um, so yeah, I, I think for game week one, they're all shoe-ins. I'm not quite so sure as, uh, this season as to whether all three of them are sort of set and forget like they might have been in previous years. Um, I think Salah is. Um, I can't see, a barring injury, any situation where Salah would leave my team this year. Um, that's you know trying to be said without the bias of being a Liverpool fan, but his numbers are off the chart in FPL every year. So um, yeah, I, I think I think to to start with, they're all they're all must haves. Um, but, you know, I don't think they're quite as much set and forget as they might have been in previous years. Yeah, I don't, like, the, I'm not, you can, you can say it was the biased opinion, but I'd agree with you there that Salah is 
like if I was to take Salah or Bruno, I'd be edging towards Bruno more than Salah. I think Salah is definitely he's he's had probably what about five years now where he's just guaranteed FPL points, isn't he? So I definitely be going on that. I think Bruno last season's probably the only one who got anywhere close to his points tally that you've seen over the previous years. So that's why I'm still on Team Bruno for now. Uh, I'm not saying they're going to stay in there the whole season, but for the start of the season, like you said. So, outside of those three, is there any player that, well, even a few players that haven't really left a draft throughout the time? Like, I know a lot of people have been changing the team for a few weeks, depending on some injury news or anything coming. Has there been, like, a few standout players that have just, you haven't ever thought of leaving your team? We'll go straight back to you, Sam. Uh, yeah, there's a couple, to be fair. I think Luke Shaw hasn't left any draft that I've, I've done so far. I think he's great value um, if he offers the same attacking uh, attacking threat that he had at the, at the end of last season um, and throughout the Euros. He's certainly in form. He's going to be high on confidence. And, you know, I, I know there's a little bit of a doubt with injury, but I certainly think particularly Ole um, Gunnar Solskjaer uh, definitely rates him significantly higher than Tellez. Uh, I think if he is fit, which it looks like he's going to be, then he'll be... Uh, He'll be, or he's been in all my drafts so far. Uh, Mikel Antonio for West Ham, he's been in all of them so far. Um, I've, I've tinkered around with lots of different striker combinations. Um, I think there's a lot of te- a lot of teams with favourable starts to the season. Um, West Ham, one of them, and uh, Antonio is certainly going to be in uh, in my team that goes into game week one. Who he's with might change between now and then. I'm pretty happy with with the setup I've got, but. But, uh, you know, I think you asked us, I don't know if I'm jumping the gun here a bit, I apologise, but when you asked us uh, for three game week one must-haves, you know, I specifically chose three people not including Trent, Fernandez, and Salah because assuming most people had them. Um, but yeah, Shaw and Antonio both made that list and uh, the other one uh, from the Arsenal camp in the midfield is, uh, is Mr Smith-Rowe, um, who I think could be the most undervalued player uh, in FPL this season actually um, at 5.5 just been given a new long-term Arsenal deal been given the number 10 shirt I can imagine a lot of play is going to be going through Smith uh, yeah through Smith Rowe sorry if um, if Arsenal do choose to adopt whatever formation they play again looking like he's going to be playing in that central cam spot um, with you know some 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 quality around him um, so yeah, those are the, those are the three other players that, that I had to mention. Yeah, I'm sure Charlie will enjoy that Smith Rowe pick. I, I would say he's definitely a good pick, assuming they don't assign another attacker midfielder. But I don't know any progress on that. I know they have had Erdegaard on loan in the last season, but yeah, I agree with him for that price. I'm not sure. The, I think he's like a wait and see for me because I think especially game week two and three are very difficult. But if you're using him has. A cheap option of it's not going to play every game is definitely a viable option. Yeah, I agree. I, th- I think because he's five point five, you have the flexibility of mm. strengthening in other areas to be able to use him as a in a functioning rotating bench that you can then have him out maybe for game week two and three, and then bring him back in for what looks like a great run of fixtures for Arsenal from game week four. I was also going to say, um, you know, go on, Chad. I was just yeah, uh, we, as long as. So there's there have been talks about potentially Madison and Erdegaard, but yeah, if if those neither of those come in, then I yeah I can't see. May, even though he's moved from a defender to midfielder, I think maybe you could 
talk about Dallas as a, Dallas as a potential rivaling him in, in terms of points, um, just because the positions he takes up. Because as, as much as I love Smith Rowe, I don't feel like he's ever going to be um, a goal scoring midfielder. He's going to be the one to link up the play and 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 potentially get in some assists. So I'm, I'm still a little bit nervous about the kind of end product he'll produce. Um, but yeah, football, I mean, we're talking about 5.5 midfielder here, so there's only so much you can ask for. And, and um, yeah, up until maybe two days ago, he was in, he, he, had, he didn't leave my draft, but um, I've, sl- I've changed my setup a little bit and, and he had to make way. I'll let you carry on then, Charlie. So the same question to you. I think we'll link it into that question that we had that Sam mentioned about your free kind of players that you want in there for game week one and that have kind of not changed a lot in your draft. Um, so same as Sam, I've got Mikel Antonio. He, he has not gone anywhere. I think he might even have been the first name I put in. Um, if he's not injured, I don't see any reason why you would go without him. I think he is just so consistent when he when he does play. Um, and you can be reasonably sure. I, I think particularly now that whilst obviously the fact that Lingard's left um, does take away some of the creativity... I think it does free up that that sort of talisman thing about Antonio that if West Ham are going to score, you'd expect it to be through him. Um, I know Ben Rama's had a quite good preseason, and so there's been some talk online about about Ben Rama as well. Um, but I think overall, if if there's going to be a goal for West Ham, you'd expect Antonio to be to be involved. So I've definitely I've I've had him the whole time. Um, I did have Watkins up until the point that he that um, Danny Ings signed. Um, and then I quickly made wave uh, Watkins left and Ings came in um, just because I want that central striker for Villa. I think, like we've talked about, they've made some good signings. I think they've made the kind of signings that's going to suit whoever starts up front for them. And those first three fixtures are going to be great. Um, and I really rate Danny Ings. The the worry is, and I've, we've spoken about this offline, we'll, we'll, about the fact that effectively I've got two players there with very dodgy hamstrings. Um <laughs> So I'm a bit nervous about the kind of transfers I might have to make down the line, but I feel like it's too good off, too good an opportunity to turn down when you've got those kind of players for the price they're at eight and seven point five for Antonio. Um, it it just feels like the the perfect sort of ticking not not necessarily a striker that's going to get you loads of goals, although Antonio has done that in in some seasons. Um, but the kind that's going to be consistent, and that's kind of what I look for for a player of that price is to kind of tick along nicely with. Um, some kind of contribution most weeks. Yeah, I think if you get him on his streak of fitness, Antonio, it's, it's kind of like FPL gold a bit because he's very streaky and he'll get you a few. I, I remember a few seasons back where he like scored four goals in one game like right near the end of the season and that helped people out quite a lot. I think agreeing with you to Antonio, I don't think he's left my draft once. I, I, I think with a lot of people, I had Watkins in there, but since they got Danny Ings, a lot of people have gone away from that one who else have I had so I don't think a certain Brentford striker Tony has left my draft once so those two strikers haven't really changed so I said I've changed Watkins and I mentioned about the goalkeeper combos having a cheap goalkeeper combo I that has changed once because originally I was going to go with a double Brighton in goal but now I've gone to a double Watford I think just to save some cost at the back so since I think Brighton signed another goalkeeper didn't they that's the only time I changed my goalkeeper um, 
but since then it's not really changed. Like I'm looking at the defense, and I'm like, the defense, none, no, none of these players have stayed since my first draft, except for Trent. So I have been mixing it around a bit. I had, I had a fact about Shaw that um, Sam mentioned about Shaw having him basically in his team that he was the most owned fantasy player as of this week, which was quite surprising to me. 53.5% ownership going into tonight. Which is crazy percent. I understand because it's the, yeah, the value, isn't it, that he's given and you've seen. I think it, there's a bit of the Euro hype as well, I think, there from English fans as well because he did really well there. Yeah, for sure. I think when you've got players at that high ownership levels, there's almost a bracket with ownership where if you can get players at a low um, ownership level and you've really got that differential value, that's great. There comes a point where players are at such high ownership levels, if you don't have them, then you're almost compromised if they have a good game week. So I feel like Shaw is at the moment in a in a bracket that is, you know, almost, almost must have because of the potential value and he's got such high ownership. If he does pick up a hatful of points for a clean sheet and an assist, or, or maybe even a goal, then you're going to be really, you're really falling short on points um, if you don't have him. So it's trying to find that balance, really. That's very similar, like a Bruno or something, isn't it? Because like if Bruno scores and people have got him captain, then you just like drop a million in rank straight away just from one goal because everyone's got him. Yeah. While we're talking about left backs, I'm going to have to mention this one because. It's to do with your team as well, Sam. So Robertson picked up an injury and there's been a lot of um, talk about a backup left-back. You can try to pronounce his name better than me. Um, but your backup left-back at Liverpool at 4 million, there's been a lot of talk about him playing the first few games and I've seen a lot of drafts. People have changed to get him in there. I don't know if you guys have seen the hype around him because I know he got an assist in the friendly the other day as well. Yeah, I have seen the hype around him, and I actually have moved. He he he's likely to be in the team that goes into Friday for me. Um, yeah, Kostas Smikas, um really deprived of minutes last year, and and would be deprived of minutes again this year if uh, if Robertson was fit. He's a little bit unlucky with injuries last year. Uh, came into the club last year. I think it's about ten million pounds paid for him. Um, and he was actually my favourite player under ten percent ownership um, that that you picked up uh, on, on us on us to bring in. Twenty four hours ago, he sat at two point nine percent ownership, and he's jumped to eight point nine percent ownership um, just before we started recording today. So to get that that percentage increase is is quite incredible. Um, do I think he's going to be a viable option when when Robertson returns? No, but at a four point oh defender, he's probably going to have. A four million pound defender at some point during the season to, to you know almost like the rotter at the bottom of your bench uh, you, you very difficult to have a, a whole squad with three subs that you can continually rotate in and out um on a game-to-game -game basis and typically year on year most people tend to have a 4.0 million defender there to to um give them that versatility going forward so you know if Samikas doesn't play it's not the end of the world going to have someone on the bench who can come in i think at the moment ben white sat on the bench um, ready to ready to come in for their game week four fixtures. So if he doesn't play and Milner starts at left back, which I don't think will happen, I think Samikas will start at left back um, against Norwich um, and you know likely going into the Burnley game as well, assuming that some, nothing crazy happens in the Norwich game. Yeah, I, I'm not sitting here saying for a minute he's going to get as many points per game as Robertson gets, um, but you know if he can jump on the back of a Liverpool clean sheet, could be amazing value at four million. 
The only one, the, the one drawback I was thinking about was if Jota starts playing regularly, which may not happen. He may, you know, Klopp may just carry on with the the usual front three. But if you've got Smikas, you've got Trent, you've got Salah, that then blocks off the Jota move. That's an extra two transfers potentially to bring in Jota if you want to go down that route. Obviously, Jota's not necessarily a guarantee by any means, but he does have really good statistics for the minutes that he plays. He obviously just doesn't get the regular starts that maybe you'd want to to put him in your side. So that's the only thing I've been thinking about as to whether or not I want Smikas in my team about blocking off the my route to Jota. Um, but actually, the thing I was more disappointed about was I was for quite a while trialing out a bit of a Trent and Robbo double up. I know that's a bit for the amount of money you're paying for that is a lot. So it's maybe a good thing that that's actually that option's kind of been taken away from me. Um, but I just kind of liked the idea of having them both back. I think there there has been some statistics showing that the the sort of beginning stages of the season the clean sheets aren't as good. Um, for for all teams really, um, but that being said, you've got the probably the best two attacking f- fullbacks in the league, um, maybe sure as well. But yeah, I, I was kind of looking forward to the potential of going down that route. But um, yeah, that option got taken away, which, like I say, maybe it's actually a better thing for me. I think it's a really valid point about Jota and and having that block in there. Um, I personally think Firmino starts uh, in the nine on the first game of the season. He's in he's in good nick. Played majority of the preseason friendly yesterday. Scored twice. Um, and Jota's had a good preseason as well. But I just think if you try to fit all of them in, the balance is a little bit compromised, um, particularly in that midfield where we're really going to have Fabinho and one. It feels a little bit short of of the kind of fluid fluid gameplay that Klopp likes to try and play. I can definitely see a midfield three in there for the game week one. Wouldn't really wouldn't surprise me if if Oxley Chamberlain actually got picked against Norwich. He's had an outstanding preseason um and could be, you know, a really sort of wild card differential if anyone fancies a punt in game week one. Not that I'd recommend it. Um but yeah, I think Samikas at four point my, my other midfield option because you've dropped I had Jota um up until today when Samikas came in. Um, and I think the other midfield options that downgrading to Samikas and upgrading the midfielder to replace Jota allow you to have gives you the flexibility that if you're not going to make a transfer in the first game week, for example, or the second game week, or you're going to get to a stage within three game weeks where you've got those two transfers in the bank, that you can just quickly you know, make the double change and bring in Jota and take out Samikas if you wanted to. So it's a really valid point about Jota being the block, but I think if you're planning ahead, you can get around it quite well. I think I'm, I was kind of in the same ballpark because I was really considering having Jota in there as the third Liverpool one. But then I think literally the cross where he got his assist, the left back, and, and it was to Firmino, wasn't it? It kind of like just confirmed it. And like Firmino could start in front of Jota and then the left back's got hopefully some chance for attacking returns. Obviously not as much as Robertson, but we'll see there. And also, Charlie, I was going for that double up on the fullbacks as well. So you're not the only one. Don't worry about that. With the Robertson and Trent, so that would have been like you said. I think you get a lot more budget now. You downgrade because you, well, you think you're comparing that defender like a seven million defender as if they're a midfielder, aren't you? Kind of sometimes. So you kind of think you can have that value there, but it gives you a lot more flexibility when they have downgraded from Robertson. So Sam has mentioned his under ten percent ownership 
who was yours going to be, Charlie, if you was recommended a differential under ten percent at this time? So I've <clears throat> I've got a, I've got a few. Um, one's a bit of a cheat because he's injured, so that's kind of why <laughs> I think that is playing a big part as to why he's under it. But KDB is at six point four percent, which I know he's really expensive. So that, as I say, that's going to be the reason why because you're not going to put someone that's injured into your team when he's not going to play. Um, but it's just interesting to to see that because I've I don't think I've ever seen KDB be so low even for for you know mid game mid mid season when when he does get injured. But um, my my I'm still within the same team because I think all the Man City players really are quite low owned at the moment. Maybe just because of the, the fixtures, maybe because of the the rotation. There's always a rotation problem. Like we've said, they've got the best probably squad in the league, so um, there's always the the threat of rotation. Um, so in, in terms of uh, someone that's actually going to start, I've, I would go with Cancelo. He's 7.9% owned at the moment. Um, I think he is their probably first choice, either right or left back, depending on wherever Pep wants to play him. I think he rates him over Walker on the right. I think he rates him over Zinchenko on the left. Um, and I think the fact that he is able to play on both sides just only, only helps him. It doesn't make him a backup to whoever's playing on those sides. He he can play, I think, better than either of them on either side. Um, so I think for that reason, and just, yeah, I th maybe it's a bit of bias of, of I've I'd had him for a lot of last season and he just brought in so many points because they got clean sheets and he often played a lot in terms of going forward and getting assists and a couple of goals as well. So, um, yeah, I, I think he would be my one. I did also look at Maris as well, who's at 6.8% and should be starting because of the kind of um, injuries. Um, but yeah, Cancelo would be my one for, for the sort of course of the season because I, I would expect him to get consistent starts, whereas Maris obviously will get rotated. Yeah. We'll jump in quick cool. on one more that's been, I, I think it's overlooked, uh, Harvey Barnes at 9.8% for Leicester. Um, definite value there at 7 7.0. He was the one that came into my team ahead of Smith Rowe. I'm down the funds. The uh, Robertson out funds upgraded Smith Rowe to Barnes. So, um, yeah, I'm with you there. <laughs> yeah, I think there's some doubt about Barnes wasn't with his injury, but he's been playing in pre-season. So a lot of people picking him up. So Charlie stole one of mine, which was Cancelo. Because I've seen that Walker's not been in preseason as well, so Cancelo's pretty much guaranteed to play the first few games. There shouldn't be a lot of rotation there. So I'm considering him, but I think he might be a bit too expensive a defender. But it depends where I'm going after changing from Robertson if I'm going to put the funds into other positions or keep it in the defence. And then. The other, the other thing is their fixtures aren't great, but they are in mm. City. So it's like, does exactly. that actually matter? They are exactly. the best team in the league. They're going to win the league. We expect them to, you know, maybe even have a, a run at an unbeaten season or something close to. So, you know, they, they could still just win anyway. But a lot of people, I think, are being put off by the fixtures. But it, I don't think you necessarily need to be. No, yeah, and I think with Cancelo, you, you're not just getting him for the clean sheet, are you really? Because otherwise you just go with Diaz because you know the attacking potential he's got. So even if they're playing away at Spurs, you could easily see him getting a return, like even if it's just hitting one from the edge of the box, which he seems to do the odd time. But yeah, I'd agree with that. The City ones are being quite overlooked. When you mentioned, started mentioning KDB and Mares, I had a quick look at Farron Torres as well. 
because he was playing quite well at the end of last season. And I think there's quite a few, I know KDB's out, Foden's out. So it's getting to the point where they've got quite a lot of injuries or like they've got Grealish who's just bedding in that he could get a few minutes as well. Because I've seen a lot of people go for Mares, and I think Torres has kind of been um, missed off there because he can also play out a false nine role. So he could be the furthest one forward. I've actually just fought that one on the spot. That wasn't my other one. <laughs> I also had, who I mentioned earlier in the pod of Greenwood, I think it's about 7%. As I mentioned, he's probably outside of Bruno, especially for like the first five or six weeks, he's going to get the most minutes, in my opinion, of all the attackers. And I think he's arguably the best finisher in the club. You could argue with Cavani, but he's especially compared to Rashford or Martial, you back him in front of goal. And I'm seriously considering putting him in there. Right, so after that, I think we're going to question you guys in a different kind of way with a bit of a quiz. So how this is going to work is I'm going to test your knowledge. Well, there's three rounds. The first round is going to be based on the club you support. So you're basically going to have a Liverpool against Arsenal and then we're going to go from there. So... I'm going to be questioning you. So it's based on players for players in the last FPL season who scored at least 100 points. So the first round, I'm going to ask you to name players from your team that scored 100 points or more in the season. So I'm going to give you... Well, it's, it's, I'm going to give one of you the chance to go first this round, and then the second round, the other person can get first, go first because I'm going to time you. You're going to have two minutes each to name them, but I'm wary the person who's second is going to have an advantage because I've got more time to think about it. So would either of you like to go first to volunteer? I don't mind. I'm happy to. I uh, shamelessly feel pretty confident about this one. Yeah, I think I've, I've stitched Charlie up a bit with this one because I feel like yeah, Charlie hasn't got Charlie hasn't right. got many to get. For sure. No, but I'm I'm giving I'm giving you a clue. I'm going to give you the number. Okay. So you've both got the same amount of players. You've both got six who scored hundred or more points. So. What overall they were the same, or did you just take some out from Liverpool? No, both teams only had a hundred um, six players who scored a hundred points or more. Arsenal had That's six win. players. That is an absolute win. <laughs> Which I was very surprised by. Five of them on 101, I guess. <laughs> well, I think, I think especially... Well, I'm not gonna, I was going to hint something about Liverpool there, but I'm not going to hint it until afterwards. Um, so I'm going to give you two minutes, Charlie, to try and name these six. So if I give you two minutes from now, can, can you name the well, six? Saka is going to be one. Are you saying yes, or do I just go? Um, I'll give you. I'll say yes. Okay. So Saka, um, Abamyang. Yes. Um, Pepe. Yes. Mm. Did he have enough game time? Um, I'm gonna go with Tierney. That's incorrect. Oh. Okay, let's think attacking. Lacazette? Yep. Okay. How many am I on? You've got four out of six. Four out of six. I mean, there's not many of them left that I'd actually think. Yeah, and you've got a minute left. 
Um, well, quite a, so quite a few people had him, so I'm, I would assume Leno. Correct. He was the highest score in joint with Aubameyang. Okay. <laughs> that says a lot, I think. <laughs> um, so one more. I'm trying to think who would actually be able to get any points. Smith Rowe, maybe? I don't think he played. No, that's Rowe. not right. Um. Oh, uh, Rob Holden. Yeah, that's correct. Six out of yeah. six. Nice. <laughs> yeah, you got there. Um, I, I had him for a bit in my team just because I and something which is really good for people to if they're watching games you can see because we hold the ball so much and just pass around our centre back so much he got quite a lot of bonus points just because we had yeah. no real threat so we just ended up passing between the centre backs a lot and he got a lot of bonus points from it so. Yeah, yeah. so just to run through those points there, so Leno and Aubameyang were top with 131, Lacazette 129, Pepe and Saka both had 114, and then Holden had 105. Not bad. I know, yeah. Uh, so I think for I'm going to change it up for round two, but I'm going to let Sam do his bit for round one. So you ready, Sam? I'll give you a countdown. Well, I'll give you five seconds to be ready. So I'm going to start your timer in two seconds. Right, you can go now. I'm either going to sound like a fool for saying this, but I don't think I'm going to need much more than, uh, than 30 seconds here. <laughs> I think Mon -comma. Uh, Mon -comma. The, the front three, Salamane and Firmino, are all in there. That's um, all, all correct, yes. Trent is in there. Yeah. Robertson is in there. Yeah. And then it's just a flick between two, which is between Jota and Alisson. But I don't think Jota had enough game time with injury, so I'm going to go Allison. Yeah, that's six out of six, straight away. Yeah, that was easy that one. But yeah, cause I thought when we was going through them, I should have done it a different way. So round two, we're going to do it differently. So if you get an answer wrong, we cut your score off. So don't. So if you get into a situation where Sam is, where is Allison or Jota? If he said Jota, he would have only got five points. So as um, I'd argue Charlie had the harder task there. I'm going to give you a choice of two teams. I know, but Charlie went first, didn't he? I can't do that, really, because it's going to be, give you a bit of a head start. That's all right. He can, he can pick the team he wants. It's fine. Confidence. Um, yes. Yeah, cool. So both of these teams have eight players who scored 100 or more. So your choice is between Chelsea or Leicester. Eight players. Um, I guess I'll have to go from the last season, right? Yeah, from last season, yeah. I guess I'll go with Chelsea. Okay. Okay, so I'm going to let Sam go first with Leicester. So let me get you to a nice round number. So five seconds, I'll start your timer. Two minutes. So if you get one wrong, you, point, you stop your points there. We get eight possible guesses. Yeah, you've got eight guesses. Okay, fine. So um, well, let me get to the round minute. So... Starting now. Okay. Casper Schmeichel. Correct. Jamie Vardy. Correct. Harvey Barnes. Correct. Madison. Correct. Elements? Correct. 
what's that five yeah five um, you've got the top five that's all i'm saying all right brilliant <laughs> it starts to get tough Ooh, there's a wild card shout at the end but that's a hail mary effort i think yeah, you've had 50 seconds johnny evans that is correct Okay, I'm going to go for the wildcard shout now. I'm going to go for the right back who had a cracking start to the season but dropped off but had an insane number of points at the start of the season. Justin? Yeah, 101 points. Yeah, lowest one down. And now I'm in trouble. <laughs> um, <laughs> You've got 40 seconds. Okay. I don't think it's a midfielder. Okay, it's between two. I'm going to go Castagne. No, it's Iganacho. <sighs> 110 points Iganacho got. He got more than Evans and Justin. Did he? Okay. So he got seven points, which is pretty good going to be fair. Take seven. Yeah. Take seven. When you said Evans so confidently, I was surprised oh, at no. that one. No, Evans, that come from? Most, well, most teams in around the top four have... You know, a defender who's guess, yeah. there most of the season, right? Yeah, I can't remember how long he was fit for. Yeah. Right. So let me get a nice round time for you. So in 10 seconds, we'll start your timer. Um, Charlie for Chelsea. Right. So go. So wing backs were always good. So let's start with Benjamin Chilwell. Yes. And let's go to the other side. So James, Rhys James. Yeah. Um. Uh, goalkeeper Mendy. Yeah. And then I'm sure, just purely on appearance points, Mason Mount must get in. He just basically plays every yeah, game. highest point scorer. No surprise there. Um. I miss, uh, he mu I mean, he got a bad rap, but he must have reached 100 points. Timo Bad. Correct. Okay. I guess same logic as Mount. If we're talking players that played every game, or most of, I'm going to go with Aspilaguerta. Correct. You've got six out of eight, and you've had a minute. What did Sam get? Seven? Yeah, you need one more to draw, and if you get all of them, you win. Okay. Pressure's on. <laughs> um, I am going to go with someone that I absolutely don't have any resentment towards at all, and that's sarcastic, Jorginho. That's correct, and you've got 30 seconds for the last one. The, the last one is the lowest scoring. Um, I think. Well, there's one I can think of, but I'm not sure he played well enough to get the hundred. Okay, you've got ten seconds, so we may as well have a guess at that. Say your name. Um, Pavert. No, that's incorrect. The last one was Zuma. Zuma. Oh god, I would never have got that. <laughs> yeah, I'm not, I'm I was, was going to say Rudiger. I thought Rudiger would be up there. But... Yeah, he got a lot of goals at the start of the season, didn't he, Zuma, if you can remember. He scored a lot of headers. 
He got 108 oh. points. Zuma, oh so man. just a rundown. Mount 147, Mendy 140, Chilwell 139, Werner 128, Jorginho 114, Aspilicueta 113, James 112, and Zuma 108. So yeah, it was a bit. It was a bit hard that one. Well, I, I'm tempted. Do we call this a draw, or do you want a decider? Right, surely. History only remembers the winners, Wilbur. Right, so uh, you're going to take it in turns now. I'm going to give you the team, oh. and you're going to have to go between each other. I so, like it. Go on. So who do you think the team with the most players over 100 points is? And this isn't a question, but yeah, it's Man City with 10. So I'm hoping one of you is going to stumble on these 10. So using the logic, I'm going to get, let Charlie start. So can I, just, uh, can I just clarify, is that including signings? So this is uh, players who played for Man City last season. So, for example, Grealish is not included in the list. Fine. Yeah, OK. Yeah, that's a good point to clarify on that. So there's no, well, if you're taking ages to decide, I'll push you for a, an answer, but there's no time limit. So, Charlie, if you want yeah. to start. Um, yes, let's go with the player I mentioned earlier, Cancelo. That is correct. Okay, I'm going to go with uh, Gundogan. Yep. Um, Mr. De Bruyne. That is correct. Uh, Edison. Yep. Top scoring asset, surprisingly. Wow. Well, Edison was interesting. Yeah, more than Gundogan. I guess that he out of anyone he's not gonna be rotated, I guess. Yeah. Um Diaz. Correct. Going for the other centre back. Uh, John Stones. Correct. Raheem Sterling. Correct. Oh, my audio just went then. Oh, I said Sterling. Okay, fine. It's a bit interesting now. You've got three left, and it's over to Sam. I've got one that I'm pretty confident on, and I've got another one that I'm not quite so confident on, but I feel is is there. So I'm going to go with Mares. Correct. That's going to be my my next one. All right. So you've got two left. Would you like me to tell you the points they scored so you both got the knowledge of that? Where do they rank in the 10? Um, 8 and 10. Okay. So John Stones was number 9. 8 and 10. Um, I am going to... A couple names swimming about. I'm going to go with the second coming of Gaza and Phil Foden. He was number eight, yes. Oh. So you put it over to Sam, who's got to get number ten. Well, the other, the, the other player was the other player that wasn't really, well, the player that hasn't been said is the one I wasn't really sure on, but can't think of... I don't think Carl Walker played enough to get up there. I don't think Ferran Torres played enough, although he's probably quite close. Um... Okay, let's just go for it. Uh, Gabby Jesus. That's also correct. Oh. <laughs> We're going to do draws for days here. <laughs> so, right, Jesus, 115 points was the lowest. 
then you've got, I, I won't go through all the points. So you've got Jesus, Stones, Foden, Cancelo, KDB, Diaz, Mares, Sterling, Gundogan, and Edison, the highest scoring. Nice. Yeah, he did well there, both of you, to be fair. I feel like throwing you like a curveball one here just to, like, separate I you. I definitely wouldn't have got Jesus. I don't think I would have said him. I would have gone probably Walker I, or something. I was, but, uh, yeah, I didn't think Walker had enough enough games. I don't think he played enough games in the league. He played a lot of cup games, a lot of Champions League games, but there's some way out on that one. But I don't think he, I think he missed a large portion of the season just through being out of favour. And then when he got back into favour, had an injury. Yeah. So. Yeah, we're probably extending the length of the podcast, but how do you guys think? Uh, the, the other teams I've got are all odd numbers. So. Um... Do it like closest to, like, then you have, there has to be a winner. So, like, clo- guess the number of points, maybe. Okay. Yeah, okay. So pick, pick yeah, yeah, I like that. I like that. Mm, yeah. Pick a player, will we, basically. Ideally, like a half decent one, so we've got a chance. Well, I, 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 in the lower yeah, 50s. Yeah. Well, I mean, obviously, I'm going to pick someone who's got over 100 points because that's what my listing has got. Oh, yeah. Um, so I'm currently looking at Aston Villa, weighing up which one to pick out of Aston Villa. I want to be cruel, but then I don't want to be cruel. So surprisingly quite high i'm going to give you a bit of detail here so we're going with matt target for aston villa and he was the third highest scoring villa player of the season so i'm going to ask you both to give me a guess of your points and whoever's closest will win i'm just, well I'm, I'm sure sam sam will know this as well so i'm assuming he's going to be behind martinez and Grealish, presumably the player in second is incorrect the the second is Watkins. He had more points than Grealish. Oh, interesting. Um, what's the decorum here? He's going first. Up to you guys. Oh, I, I, I'm going to be straight up here, Charlie. I, I had a bit of a a uh, flutter before the pod and tried to guess what Wilbur might have. You hit this nail on the head. I'm I'm walking. I can tell you now that I anticipated questions around the top 10 goalkeepers, defenders, Ooh. midfielders, and forwards definitely in there, last year. And Target was in there. So, can I just... I mean, there's an option if you want to pick something else. Pick something else if you want, Wilbur, that's outside the top 10, because I know the answer. Okay. I definitely choose. Well, I'm going awkward then, because I'm making sure this defender is not in the top 10. I'm pretty sure. If you just didn't say any of that setup, yeah, you would have won. I would have guessed something different. You probably would have won. So fair, fair play. Yeah, sorry, target, right. got target was one hundred and thirty-eight. That is correct, yeah. Look at that prep as well. <laughs> no. Well, I, 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 mean, I did not anticipate having to name this <laughs> players, so that's never <laughs> Right. So this, there's no way you can be in the top ten. So Sam has forced me to go awkward here. So we're going to Burnley, and we're going to Ben Me. It's already a bad start. So Ben Me, there was, well, I'm not gonna, I'm not even gonna, I'm not even gonna say because this will give it away a bit. So Ben Me, I'm not giving you any more information on that. Okay, yeah, I don't know Ben Me. <laughs> <laughs> there's a, there's a lot of defenders in Burnley as well. To be fair. I'll go first because Sam volunteered some information there, so that's that's fair play. Um, I am going to guess. They didn't have a great season, but generally speaking, their defenders do better than a lot of the rest of their team. 
it's gonna be a tough one. I I reckon he would have scraped a hundred, been been there or thereabouts. So I'm gonna go for hundred and ten. Okay. So, so at this point, it's literally to Sam, isn't it? Higher or lower, more like. That's an line. I was also thinking on the same lines if he would have scraped 100. I don't think he would have got as much as Target. But obviously, Target being a fullback and probably had a few more creative assists and, and whatnot than me. Got a lot of game time, mate, wouldn't he? I would assume. Will have got a lot of game time. Yeah. And he doesn't. I, Burnley actually don't have a bad discipline record either. Would it, would, uh, I, I was going to give you a stat, but it might come. It might change yeah, your view. I won't give you that stat. I'll give you it after. I think Burnley. Uh, sorry, I think uh, me would have got less points than Tarkovsky. I'm going to go less than 110. So by default, I'll guess 109. Price is right. <laughs> yeah, so Sam is right. He got 102. 102. Oh, <laughs> Great to 100. Actually, yeah. <laughs> we were both in the in the in the ballpark. Yeah, uh, you were right. Sense back from uh, from that kind of region is going to be tough. Yeah, Tarkovsky got 109, so you was correct on that as well. I was going to lead with the fact that Nick Pope was the highest scoring player, trying to throw you off the scent. That. Because Pope got 144, which is quite a bit more than the other defenders. Yeah. But yeah. Excellent. There you go. A bit One of a different nil. game for you there. So we're going to keep that score of that. that so was, that, was, that was high standard, to be fair. <laughs> I know you did well. I'm going to pick some of the I mean, god awful themes. I, I had Brighton on here, but I'll save that one. For, no. I struggled with Brighton, I think. <laughs> But obviously, I'm not going to use that kind of logic again with that game because you guys also sit out. <laughs> You'll come back with a list of like Watford highest scoring in the Championship, Premier League, or something like Fantasy Premier League last season. Then you two. That's good. That's good. No, no worries. Um, right. So I think just as a closing part for the podcast. So I appreciate that took a bit more time than I expected that bit, um, but it was good fun at least. So, just as a closing statement, guys, what would you be your number one tip for the FPL season for everyone listening? Go on, Charlie, you can go first on this one. Um, so, I... Don't, I mean, there's, there's lots. I think the one... And this is maybe even an example of, of what I'm talking about, but I think my overall one is just not to overthink or over-invest yourself in it. And and the reason I say that is I think I've been there and 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 you can get so involved and so into everything you start like looking at your team every minute of every day and try to and then you end up taking hits and transfers and and all sorts of stuff. So I think my number one tip is just to kind of sit back, allow things to happen. The way that I try and work it now is I'll I'll decide what I think my transfer is going to be at the beginning of the week try and stay back from everything still listen to like podcasts and and pick up information online but not make any decisions based on on that until the end of the week um and i think it's just a much nicer way of trying to play the game and rather than being invested in every single decision and trying to trying to take on too much and and it can kind of ruin your whole weekend if if your burnley defender doesn't get a clean sheet and it, it you've got to think to what extent should that happen 
So I feel like, yeah, just trying to take a bit of a step back and, and just play it for, for fun and, and um, yeah, not, not overthink too much. I think that's pretty good advice. Uh, mine kind of ties in a little bit with, um, you know, about getting to involved with transfers and whatnot. I think a lot of people will say advice is avoid the early wild card, but I don't necessarily think the early wild card is, is a bad thing as long as you've planned to use it. I, I just think there's a lot of opportunity um, to plan your transfers out. I'm not saying you have to, some people will go intense and, and have spreadsheets ready and rock and roll as to who they plan to bring in. But, um, you know, just, you know, transfers can be grouped in game weeks that will enable you to make eight or nine transfers over five weeks that will save you wild card for later in the season. Um, and that wild card could be so valuable when it comes to double game weeks later down the line. So, yeah, I think uh, just just maybe being, being or knowing what transfers or having a rough plan of what you want to do can uh, definitely save you the pain of losing your wild card early on. And if you want to use your wild card early on and you plan to, crack on. Good luck. Um, but yeah, you don't necessarily have to jump the gun if you have a bad game week one. And uh, think, oh, I've completely messed up here because a lot of the research and effort you put in pre-season um, to look at the team you wanted to go for is more or less based off an FDR of six six fixtures. So you know, there's no maybe not maybe there is maybe everyone breaks their leg and you get super unlucky. But I don't think there's too much uh, value in wild carding unless you've planned to again within the first six fixtures because a lot of people have built their teams around the first six fixtures. So. That's what I would say. I'm say my point was really around the wild card as well because I think what I found last season is kind of my first wild card I used way too early when I could have really got away with not using it and when I wild carded my team was actually worse than it was before so it was a bit of a waste and then when it came to probably the last 10-15 games of the season when I was competing with people in the mini league, they were all wildcarding and then I was struggling to keep up with them later on in the season. So I think it's just kind of like what Sam said, if you planned it out, fair play, that's fine to use it, but you need to have serious thought before you press that button, especially really on in this early on in the season, because you might need it later down in the end of the line. So think about it. And I quite liked around what Charlie was saying as well, um, but I think when it comes to making decisions, you've got all these, obviously we're giving you advice, other people are giving you advice, but sometimes it just has to be your own decision. Don't be influenced by what other people are saying all the time. Take their advice on board, but then try and make your own solid decision rather than just like copying someone else's team. So why should I scare that at the same points and in the middle league, you're not going to win, are you? But yeah, I think they're good tips all around from all of us. Would either of you like to add anything to the end of the podcast because I think we're through the agenda unless you've got anything to add. No, no, all, all good. Looking forward to getting going. It's it's pretty soon. Much it's coming around a lot quicker than I expected. Um, so yeah, just can't wait to get going. Really. Yeah, because you're kicking off the, the season, aren't you? On Friday as well, Charlie. Your team. Yeah, going. a little, little apprehensive about that. I'll be honest. Um, depending on, yeah, I think that maybe the fact that I've taken Smithrow out will maybe help the fact. That, so. <laughs> If, if we lose, I don't lose twice. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I'm just happy to, to watch my team play again, to be honest. So, yeah. Yeah, sounds good. You got anything else, Sam? No, not really. Just uh, enjoy, you know, football's back. We've had so long of, you know, so much disruption in society and in our lives, not being able to 
you know, we were still in quite a fortunate position that the Premier League ran last year and we were able to enjoy football, but, you know, we're now really able to enjoy football, being able to get back into grounds. You know, I can't wait to go up to Anfield for some games this season. Um, it's going to be it's going to be mega. So, yeah, bring it on. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. I've already booked my tickets for Old Trafford, so I'll be straight back there. Um, so that'll be good fun. And I think I'm quite looking forward to... I don't know what you guys think about this. Some of the fixtures all being on at three o'clock instead of all being on TV. I just like the like Saturday, like three o'clock games, and instead of having to like people be watching every single game on TV, it's just getting back to a bit more normality, and I quite like that. Yeah, just like the the drama of it as well. Just like goals flying. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's just it's a much better experience going through that than um, yeah having to sort of drag out through the whole whole weekend. Yeah. yeah, I agree with that. So I think we are done for the very first edition. Thank you, Sam and Charlie, for joining in. It's been good fun, and I think moving forward we'll we'll be doing kind of like weekly ones where we'll be more looking at our teams and how we've done in the previous weeks. This is more like a preview episode. So hopefully it's been helpful for everyone, and we will see you again on the next episode next week. Have a good evening.